Welcome to another episode of Sisters in Conversation. I'm your host, Develo Motwane. I'm an attorney by profession and the founder of a platform called Sister in Law, which is a platform dedicated to empowering women through legal education. On today's episode, I have Kundi Ramashia. Kundi is the only black female and youngest female family advocate in the office of the family advocate Johannesburg. Having begun her career at one of the top-rated international law firms in the country, Hogan Lovells, Kundi has not only practiced as an attorney in private practice, but also spread her wings as a supervising attorney at a national legal NGO, Pro Bono Org, as well as working at, at national course, as national course coordinator for a private tertiary institution, being Pearson Institute, lecturing first and second year law students. She has furthermore lectured for the Law Society of South Africa's Legal Education and Development Program, LEAD. She also holds a BCom Law and LLB degree, both obtained from the University of Johannesburg. Kundi is more than a straight-jacketed lawyer, however. Her love for food and its beautiful presentation led to the creation of her food blog, Kundi's Kitchen, in 2016. She's also the owner of a catering and catering equipment hire business, which has serviced private and corporate clients alike. Kundi has made numerous live television appearances as well as radio and print magazine interviews in her capacity as a foodie and has partnered with well-known food brands in her capacity as a content creator. She is passionate about family law and food and firmly believes that direction is so much more important than speed. Welcome to the show, Kundi. Thanks, Tabello. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you. How are you? I'm great. Um, as we were just talking offline, a little yeah. tired, yeah. but good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good productive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, you managed to show up for this interview. So thank you so much for your time and, you know, just dedicating um, an hour of your time to just take us through your journey as a um, woman in the legal profession. As I have told you before about the show, I just profile um, black women and women of color just to amplify mm -hmm. our voices in a profession or an industry that is male um, dominated and, you know, is mm. dominated by white people. And on this um, platform, we just discuss issues of transformation, gender-based mm. violence, issues of housing, issues of family law. And I really hope that mm. you, your story will be able to, you know, contribute to to the beautiful stories that we've managed to share on this platform. No, it's, uh, I'm, I'm really honored um, for you to have approached me. And I really, I have the same hope that, you know, all our different stories can reach someone and assist them on their personal journey. So also well done to you for, for the platform. Thank you. Thank you. So <laughs> let's start from the very beginning. Who is Kundi? Can you tell us a little bit about your upbringing, um, you know, primary school, high school, and then take us through what, um, you know, uh, motivated you to pursue uh, studies in, 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 in law or a career in the legal field? Mm. Sure. Okay. So Kundi is um, the firstborn of three children. Um, I spent the first two years of my life in PE, uh, Port Elizabeth. I apparently spoke fluent Kausa for the first two years of my life. <laughs> um, we came back to Joburg um, when I was about two years old and I've been a Joburg girl ever since. 
Um, I have a younger brother and a younger sister. We're all seven years apart. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know if that was planned or what, but yeah. So mm -hmm. the age gap between youngest sister is 14 years. So I'm a typical firstborn child. Like I have firstborn syndrome, like yeah. overly responsible, very dependable, always follow the rules. Um, yeah, and all of that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> deputy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I had a warm upbringing. Um, my parents are very loving. Um, we have a very close-knit family. Mm. I went to school at, uh, I think I started out at Bishop Bavon, and then I went to Bedford View Primary, and then I went to Glen Hazel Primary, mm -hmm. and then I went to Baxter. So we moved around quite a bit, and mm. people generally to think like, yo, wasn't that um, destabilizing or whatever. Mm. Um, but funnily enough, I enjoy change. I love new environments and all of that. So I thrived in every school that I went to. Mm. Um, and then high school wise, I went to Eden College and then I eventually matriculated at um, Kingsmead College for Girls. Okay. Um, so so that, was, that was my um, upbringing um so yeah i just i have good memories of growing up i mean it wasn't perfect but like i said i have a very close-knit loving supportive family so and i think that was really it gave us all a good um uh basis you know mm -hmm. for for hello I think I people are treated differently because they have different body parts. Like how? Can you hear me? Yeah, I think I lost you. The last thing I heard was you saying um, you had a good upbringing. Um, yeah, and, 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 and that you're a close-knit family. Oh, sorry. Yes. Yeah. So I was saying also that growing up, we were treated the same, um, which I, I got a... a very big shock getting into the big bad world and people are treated differently because you're born with different body parts i just mm -hmm. could never understand it yeah, yeah. at home we all took out the trash we all cooked um so yeah so so that i think um developed a big part of who i am mm -hmm. so yeah that was my upbringing <laughs> okay, okay wonderful. and then in terms of how i got it, yeah in terms of how i got into law um so i i, I I'm always like loath to tell the story because it's not like deep, like most people <laughs> like that, a sense of justice and, <laughs> I, or, you know, I, their I, parents. I, I, got them in. <laughs> so mine is a very, I don't even know how to boring. put it, but it was, no, it's actually like slightly embarrassing. So okay. I had a boyfriend at the time. <laughs> who was studying law mm. um, so the background behind it is that my dad is an advocate um, and mm. a very passionate one at that mm. and you know how lawyers love to be lawyers so I grew up hearing about law and because I'm a very inquisitive and be very argumentative my dad was always like you're a natural born lawyer you have to study law whatever so when I went to varsity I you know, you at that age where you want to assert yourself and like I'm my own person and I'm going to do, do anything but what my parents have told me to do. Mm. Um, but I didn't know what I actually wanted to study. Um, I, I always had a, I always wanted to be a surgeon. Um, but uh, maths and science and hey. we were in the same <laughs> group, so I quickly yeah, gave yeah. up that dream. <laughs> Then the next best thing, I mean, we, you know, you weren't really exposed to much. So 
I mean, generation was big at the time mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, working at an ad agency looked like fun, but I wanted yeah. to go to Varsity. I didn't want to go to a Vega or whatever. Yeah. So the closest possible thing I could think of was marketing. So mm -hmm. I registered for a BCom marketing just not to do law because my dad wanted me to do law. Mm -hmm. And uh, as things would work out, I was dating at the time in Varsity was studying law and I think we wanted to go out for lunch or whatever and he was like oh, I have this class please come with me to the lecture and then mm -hmm. we'll go after that mm -hmm. and I was like oh, what am I going to do in a stupid lecture and you know whatever long story short I went to that lecture I still remember it to this day it was law of persons yeah. and the lecture at the time dealing with um, the concept of domicilium and it was the first time because it was in first year the first time in the months that I'd been in varsity that I sat in a lecture from beginning to end like holding on to this lecture's words you know I was like this is so interesting it's so yeah. tangible it's relevant to daily life I you know in comparison to the things that I was studying in my marketing degree no mm -hmm. no shade to the marketing mm -hmm. students it just wasn't for me so that weekend I went back home cap in hand <laughs> to my dad and like, said, dad, yo. My, <laughs> <laughs> my dad you were right I was wrong um I would like to you know deregister this marketing degree and go for law and that's that's wow. literally how it happened um I I was doing a BCom law so I just I changed to a sorry I was doing a BCom marketing so I changed to BCom law just to still give myself a soft landing should I decide mm -hmm. that law is not my thing I still mm -hmm. have a commerce but, you know, the law subjects was what I enjoyed the most. So then I went on to do my LLP after that. Sure. I actually really love the story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you, 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 were, you were doing marketing at UJ as well. And then you just... Yes, yes. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, looking yes. back, you yeah. really made a good decision. And I mean, thank you to your then boyfriend for dragging you to class with him. <laughs> Right? <laughs> I'll owe him that for life. <laughs> All is well that ends well. As <laughs> well, yes. Okay. Um, so then um, you, you, you go through um, you know, university. When was this, by the way? I was also at UJ. Oh, okay. So, sure. Okay, now I must reveal my age. Um, I, think I, <laughs> I think I matriculated in 2003. So, I started my degree around 2004. Somewhere oh, okay. there. I could be a year or so um yeah so that's that's when i started my i i just i just missed you go tertiary studies <laughs> when were you at uh, no i'm that's <laughs> okay. i just oh thanks to Bello. Like, <laughs> nah. <laughs> I'm when were you at uj i matriculated in 2007 so i would have started uj 2008 so yeah i definitely okay I was, I, I was think I, I was doing my last year then because I delayed by a year because of the BCom marketing. Oh, yeah. so I, I did the BCom law to literally start again, although I got credits for some of the subjects yeah, and yeah. then the LLB afterwards. So I eventually graduated from okay. both degrees. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. I absolutely love your story. I think it's important to, especially the younger, you know, um, listeners who are feeling like, Maybe the pandemic has um, heightened the, the, the feeling like they're in the wrong um, course or, mm. like, or studying the wrong thing. Mm. And that it's okay to just make the jump. It's okay to just start over again. Mm. It's okay to 
to change mm. if something is not working for you. So thank you so much for sharing that amazing story. No, it's a pleasure. Yeah. Then, um, can you tell us a little bit about when did you manage to secure articles and how was your transition from university to doing your articles? Okay, so how I managed to um, secure my articles um, was that, you know, so as I'm doing my LLB and you know in, the, in your second last year, um, that's when you should be signing up for articles and all of that. And I looked around me and I realized that the people that I'm close to, that I'm studying law with, including um, that boyfriend at the time and two other female friends of mine, they all mm. had plan Bs. Mm. I, I actually woke up the one day and I realized that all of them have a father or a brother or a close family friend who owns a law firm. So whilst we all want to get into the top five or top 10, um, if they don't get in, they have a very feasible plan B and I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my, my dad, was an ad, he's an advocate and I wasn't looking to go into that at that mm-hmm. stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he wasn't even practicing at the time. So I was like, actually, you need to stand up and make a plan for yourself. You can't just go with the crowd, you know? So, and I, 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 I looked at everything and I've never been an A student. I've never claimed to be like, but what I've always been is an all-rounder. Yeah. Or so I, I work hard. When I work hard, I'll get good marks, but I won't get straight A's. Um, but I was very involved at Varsity. I mean, I was um, secretary of the uh, Black Management Forum. I was yeah. a peer leader leader at, at Res. I was part of the economics forum. I was influencing before it even had a name. I, mean, yeah. I was a brand yeah. ambassador for Oakley and for NetBank at Varsity. Mm. I worked for Student Village. So I did a lot. Yeah. Um, and I thought, you know, this, this can work for, this is who I am. You know, mm. I'm not a one faceted individual. So how mm. do I make it work for me? And I know that the big firms look out for, you know, top marks and that's all they're interested in. Yeah. So what I actually did I got up um, with my very new driver's license. I think it was like a month old, very um, nervous driver. I went, I asked my mom to borrow her car. I drove probably at 30 kilometers an hour from UJ campus <laughs> to Santon, that block that all the firms mm. in my, in my best outfit, you know, as a student, you don't really have formal clothes, but yes. I put on heels and whatever else I could find. And I parked at one of the law firms and I walked in heels throughout that block to every single law firm with my CV in hand. I got to reception and I said, hi, may I please see your HR manager? <laughs> and at some of the firms, I got laughed off. Some of the firms, um, the receptionist said, I'll call them, but they're not going to see you. And some of the firms, the HR manager came and like, so came to meet this, you know, preposterous young, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah demanding an appointment and I had meetings with them and I said to them listen I want to to work here I'm not an A student but this is what I am this is what I can offer and um one of the recruiters was actually very she was like wow I've never seen this I like your initiative I like your drive there's one more space left for the backward program um so come in for that let's see how get an interview for articles and um, you know, when God puts things together, that happened to be the firm that I really wanted to get into, which was Hogan Lovells. Mm. Um, I'm revealing my age again, but at the time, there was a show called Rights and Recourse that would play on SABC3. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would always have like uh, 
black female attorneys from Hogan Lovells. It was then called Rutledge Mudise. Um, yeah. And I always thought that's the firm I want to work in. Yeah. So um, I did the VAC work program. I worked hard. I stood out. I prepared. I, you know, and um, I did the interview and, and I got it. I actually got offered at two, two of the big firms, but I went with the one that I'd really, really wanted mm. to work in. So, mm. so that's how I got my articles there. Yeah. Sure. I absolutely love that story. But, um, you know, even if you hadn't really told us about um, when, when you matriculated and all of that, we definitely yeah. picked up on your age with walking around <laughs> in hand. That is very, like, <laughs> we all apply online now. Yes. No, so they were, they that were. Story, yeah. That was, that was how people were applying then also back in my granny age um but i didn't want to do that because i i, I knew that i'm one of thousands of cvs yeah. that are going to land in this person's mailbox yeah. how do i make myself stand out and that's why even you know i get a lot of um requests for mentoring or tips or can you get me into this law firm and whatever and i'm working on something to assist those young aspiring um Beautiful. law graduates and all of that but I, I get, there's a slight irritation with that I get where, where there's a sense of, can you do this for me? You know, mm -hmm. you need to stand up, see what you have to offer mm -hmm. um, and go the extra mile. There's a, there's a quote, go the extra mile. It's never crowded. Mm. You know, what I did was crazy for the time, but you know, um, and I'd learned from my mom who also, she told me about how she walked from Alexandra to Rosebank. You know, um, so I come from that family of get up and, and do it. No one's yeah, going to do it yeah, for you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, doing something that bold would still help somebody stand out even today. You know, um, yes. I, I think there's definitely, um, there's definitely merit to the fact that when you are applying online, there's so many applications, hundreds and thousands. Yes. But to one yeah. HR manager, you will stand out as, you know, the girl who walked every block in Santon in heels and, 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 and really made a, a, an impression, a good impression, a yeah. go-getting go impression. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I, I, yeah. I love that story. And then you worked at Hogan Lovells. Is that how you then, how did you know that family law was where you wanted to, um, you know, dedicate the rest of your career to? What, what was yeah. it? Is it still that lecture that you listened to? Or did you come across <laughs> something at Hogan Lovells and you were like, this is it? So it's crazy, Tabella. So that lecture, Law of Persons, told me that I wanted to study law. Yeah. In the following year, my family law lecture that I attended told me that that's what I wanted to do within the law. So mm -hmm. within the first lecture, I was like, this is what I want to do. And I remember there was a tiny little paragraph in the textbook that talked about the office of the family advocate, which was still mm -hmm. very new at the time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is where I want to work. This is what I want to do. Um, so I did a bit of research on it. There wasn't much information at the time, but what I gathered was it's not something you can do after varsity. It requires, you know, litigation experience and all of that so it was always at the back of my mind that this is my dream job that's what I want to do um so so yeah so I always wanted to practice solely in in family law but as you know um in the commercial firms there is space for family law but you have to supplement your practice with other work yes um, yes I've heard that yeah mm. it's, it's very true especially in the commercial firms which um I'm now grateful for because 
I mean, I got to rotate, you know, I've done commercial litigation. Um, I was also in the pro bono department. So I've done different things, a little bit of um, labor law as well. Um, and I, I made it known within the firm that my passion is family law. So uh, the family law director at Hogan Lovells would always involve me in matters where possible. Um, but I realized very early on that I won't be able to practice it on its own. I have to do all this other stuff, which frankly, I don't enjoy. Mm. Um, so it was very early in my article. Sorry, and I realized I didn't answer your question about the transition from varsity to, to arts. Don't worry. No, no one prepares you for that. I mean, I cried. I went through to pray. Like it was, I mean, because at varsity, I think my earliest lecture was not an early riser. Yeah. um, I think I had one lecture that would be at 7.30 on a Thursday. And needless to say, I hardly attended that lecture. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yes, yes. I, I never went. <laughs> oh my God, Tamela, that's the one. And my Hate marks it. show that that Whoa. was the one lecture I did not attend because I was just like 7.30. That's unreasonable. I landed with a 50%. I still don't know yes. how I did it. Yo, yo. Same. Bro. Exactly. The, oh, that is so funny. Exactly I the same. And I self-taught <laughs> myself that whole yes. module yes. and landed yes. on a 50 and I made friends so that I could, you know, guys, what happened to this? <laughs> oh, it's terrible. So, yeah. So, I went from that, from waking up on average at 10 o'clock every morning to having to wake up at 5. Mm. And, um, and you know how it is in the big firms. I mean, there's a culture of you must get there before your boss. And oh, you my goodness. Yeah. So I was getting there early and then they're still studying for articles and stuff and you're leaving the office 10 o'clock at night. I was working weekends. It was, it was really insane, but I've never been scared of hard work, but I felt that looking at what I'm supposedly aiming for and that for me, it was looking at the female partners and directors that is not the life that I saw for myself. Mm. Although I was very, very grateful for the opportunity. And I know that had I not gotten into my first choice, I would have always had a what if. So I think God deliberately put me into what I thought was what I really wanted to do so that I know that, yes, I love the law, but I don't necessarily want to practice it in this way. Mm-hmm. So um, so after my articles, I, I, um, my boss who in one of my rotations in the pro bono department, the director mm. um, who was my boss then, he had bono.org, which is a national legal NGO. Mm. And after he had heard that I had left and I was even, um, you know, they, they tried to convince me to stay. And I was just like, it's, it's, it's just not me. It's not about the firm. You know, I love the mm-hmm. firm and all of that. I, I want to, I want to explore. Mm. So he had heard that I, I'd left and he said to me, come interview. There's a, there's a position that's opened up. We need a supervising attorney for a new project we're running, etc. And there came in imposter syndrome. I was like, supervising attorney? Like, all I've done is articles. Like, what do I know? And, and I remember, mm-hmm. pardon? Now the title comes, supervising attorney. Yes, yeah. Like, oh. It's like I have big responsibilities. And I remember my parents said to me, Gundi, your, your former boss is inviting you to come and interview. 
This is someone who's seen you at your best and your worst. So we don't understand what your issue is. Exactly. So even the interview, I remember it, it was, it was, it was, you know, you get asked things like, what are your strengths? And then you must sit there and tell someone who's seen you at your worst that I'm yeah. so great at this and that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but <laughs> um, I got the job and I loved it. I really, I, I think it was for the first time that I, I really felt like I was practicing the law to the benefit of the ordinary man on the street, mm. you know, mm. um, in the corporate firms, it's contracts, it's this and that. And here I was... It it really spoke, yes, yes, it really spoke to my need to reach out and to, to use your, your gifts, your skills, and also your education to empower those who ordinarily don't have access to those kinds of opportunities. So I did a lot of um, family law there, there was a lot of housing disputes, um, a bit of labor. That's where I kind of got the small law firm experience in that you got to do a bit of everything mm, mm, in that mm, project. Mm. So um, that was very interesting for me. Um, and I grew a lot within that. But after about two years, I realized that I'd reached the ceiling in terms of what I could do at that particular NGO. Um, and so then, and I was, I was getting very interested in the mediation space and arbitration, especially in respect of family law. Mm. So I furthered my studies on that. I did a short course on that and I was looking to open my own mediation practice, but it was at the time that, um, I don't know if you remember, there was a time when court annexed mediation was about to be promulgated as a law that you have to, if you're in um, the midst of divorce proceedings, that you must first attempt mediation mm-hmm. before um, litigating. Mm-hmm. But I don't know whatever happened to that law and it didn't, um, it didn't happen, which threw me into a very much of a tailspin because I had now studied this and I was yeah. looking to open my practice based yeah. on the fact that there would be a and then the law just never came through. So that really, really threw me aback. Um, I was back That's home trying to, yes, yeah. And I, I honestly thought I'd found what, you know, and remember in the back of my mind, I'm working towards this family advocate position. Sure. So this would be great experience in yeah. that. Um, so it threw me off course a lot. Um, but, <clears throat> oh yeah, and then I, I you know, I, w- I was back home. Um, but what I decided to do in the meantime was I just uh, got everything together for my admission. And, you know, that's a whole process. So I worked on that because I had the time. Um, and then I also did a lot of um, mediations on a pro bono basis. I, w- mm-hmm. I did some for the, oh, I forgot the, inst- the, is it FAMSA? Yes, I did some mediations for FAMSA just to, you know, build, build on my experience in yeah. the meantime. And then an opportunity came through um, to lecture um, out of the blue. And again, comes like, what do you think you're going to teach people? Like you hardly, some of the the modules you got by, like we're saying of evidence, got by by the skin of your teeth. (laughs) And and remember, lecturing is not just um, imparting the information. It's also being able to field questions like, but ma'am, mm. what if in this situation, this and mm. this happens? So you need to understand your subject matter very deeply mm. in order to 
you know, adequately teach the next person. So I went for the interview, didn't think I'd get called back. I did. I didn't think I'd get the job and I did. And I was, I was very, very shocked. But again, it was a very enriching experience in the sense that it deepened my knowledge a lot yeah. um, on various modules of the law. Um, and I just, I also got inspired by young students that, you know, want to learn. And, and I think, yes. And I think a lot of them saw themselves in me, like who's this tiny little black female lecturer, you know, um, and because I look for, I lectured for about two years. Okay. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah. And, and I look very young. So I, I remember yeah. a lot of students without asking me how old I am, but they're like, how long have you been in law? You know, those kind of questions. <laughs> um, and another thing about that job was I was actually more than just lecturing. I was the national course coordinator for those particular courses. So I was in charge of the curriculum for the year oh. and also overseeing other lecturers in other provinces for that institution in terms of what they are doing, et cetera. And these are, some of them were lectures that have been lecturing way longer than I have. Mm -hmm. so it's just like those votes of confidence where you're like okay I don't see what you see in me but the best I can do is my best Mm -hmm. and and that's what I did Mm -hmm. so so yeah that was that and then um then uh, yes let's okay um, I mean you've you've touched on uh, imposter syndrome quite a lot which is very exciting yeah it's the next um topic for my round table so I'm going to invite you okay (laughs) (laughs) I am the poster child for imposter imposter syndrome thank you um (laughs) but um how is the imposter syndrome when your bio opens up as you're not the first you're the only black female and youngest family advocate in the office of the family advocate. This is like a triple threat because we often say that we feel undermined because we're young. We feel undermined because we're women. We feel undermined because we're Mm. black. Now you're facing Mm. a triple threat. How have you been able Mm. to deal with the challenges that exist with it? Because even if you've got a nice working environment, there's always a Mm. sense of feeling undermined by at least one other colleague or by the Mm. bigger system, you know? Mm, mm. Um, just to correct you slightly there so I'm the triple threat in our office in Johannesburg oh um, okay yes um, yes yeah okay um, you know I don't and I keep being placed in these situations even with the lecturing I was the the youngest black female lecturer in the institution and that is what gives me the imposter syndrome because even walking to the office of the family advocate this had been my dream job Mm. ever since varsity um and you know my seniors develop are like 10 years older than me it's not like Mm. i'm the youngest and then there's one that's two years older than Mm. me these people Mm. have been doing this for 10 years and you walk in there and again like i say i'm very tiny i look small so you Mm. You, you know, you even sometimes um, get the sense from some people, you know, that what does she think she knows, you know, mm-hmm. this young. So I think how I've personally handled it throughout my life um, is that what I can do is be me. And what is me is working hard. Like I will work hard. I will put in the hours. I will prep and give you having changed your opinion of me by allowing my work to speak for itself. Mm. Um, so, so, and that's also just the way that assists me to cope in the very stressful environment because also I'm, I'm, I'm conducting inquiries 
um, and I'm conducting inquiries with um, colleagues that, you know, I'm running the inquiry, but the person that I'm working with is 10 years older than me and has had 27 years experience. Do you know mm. what I mean? Mm. And I need to be confident, even though inside I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> but I need to be confident. And even Great. the parties that, yeah, even the, the, the public that we serve, um, people come in and sometimes it's your elders. Sometimes it's people your parents age. Mm. And I have to tell this mother that, ma'am, what you are saying is, is inconsistent with the law. You do not have extra rights over your child just because you're a mother. Mm. These rights apply to yourself and we need to see how we can assist you to exercise those rights in the best interest of the child. And to say that with confidence, but also with respect to your elder, it, it's very difficult. I mean, yeah. I, I face challenges every day in yeah. my job, yeah. um, but I keep reminding myself that I was appointed by a panel of more than think there were more than six of them and it, those people are experienced in in the field and they must have seen something yeah so that's the endorsement you know? did yeah yeah sure yeah. I, 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 I like that you touched on you know you must now speak to an elder and let her know that what she's doing is inconsistent with the law blah 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 mm. that leads me to my next question just just to you know a younger listener who's maybe in varsity or has just started out and they're really taking a liking to you know the family law department what does a typical day for you um in in the office of the family advocate look like what are what are some of the matters that you oversee or 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 you know i don't know what you know you endorse yeah yeah no I, endorse, yes um, what is it uh parental agreement and so forth yes yes yes, yes. Um, so, so a lot of our work in, um, so one of the things we do is mediate and just for the benefit, cause you would obviously know, but the benefit of the broader listenership is that that's mediation. <clears throat> There's a general misconception that it's an attempt to, um, uh, assist the parties to reconcile or to mm-hmm. fix the marriage. It's mm-hmm. not that it's parties that have decided that they're going their separate ways, but they are disputing or there's a dispute with regards to, um, how the, the, the issue of the children is going to be dealt with, who the children will live with, contact with the other parent, etc. So we mediate those issues of dispute because the divorce will not go through until yeah. those matters have been sorted out. So that's one of the things we do. Um, but a, a big part of our work, a big chunk of our work is conducting <clears throat> inquiries and investigations. So that is our role in assisting the courts to to determine a matter where the parties it's a high conflict matter parties are for example getting divorced they both want primary residence of the children um and no one is budging and maybe there's allegations of drug abuse or sexual abuse or i mean we've heard and seen it all so our job is then to interview the parties conduct a full investigation, interview the children because the Children's Act does require that the views and wishes of the children must be taken into account. Um, And then gather whatever other collateral information we require and then compile a legal report based on facts, based on case law, based on um, legislation to say to the court that we believe that A, B, C, and D would be in the children's best interest. And the courts, a lot of the times, then will base um, their judgment in the matter on, on our report. So it's, it's very, it's a heavy job. Mm. Um, it's something that you cannot take because it's, it's, you know, a child's future, essentially. Or they say. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So that's one of the things we do. And another big chunk of what we do is endorse settlement agreements and summonses. Mm. So um, 
in the event that parties are involved in a divorce, but they've managed to um, reach an agreement on the terms of that divorce. So they've agreed on where the kids will stay, how often they'll see the other parent, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we need to see that settlement agreement and see that it is the proposed arrangements are indeed in the child's best interest. And if so, we'll endorse it. If not, we will, we will query it. So for example, if someone puts in their settlement agreement that the child will visit mom every second weekend and live with dad, but in your summons, you've said that mom um, has an alcohol problem mm. and I'll query that to say are the kids safe with mom on those alternate weekends do we not have to look at something like supervised contact or maybe day contact and phase it in etc so we do a lot of that work so it's it's you have to be very careful I, I, there's days where you're just tired and you want to skim over it but I always remind myself that you know what if it was my that child that someone was skimming good. over yes. you know yes. yeah so so that's a lot of what we do yeah Thank you, thank you. And then um, were, there, were there any extra courses that you had to study in order to supplement your application to work at the Family Advocate? Um, no. What are the qualifications that one needs to pursue, um, you know, a role as Family Advocate? Yeah, so you, you, it's basically your legal degree and to have been admitted as an attorney or an advocate. Um, and the big thing with this job is experience. So that's why I, I, I mentioned in the beginning that I realized that it's not something you can do straight from varsity. Mm -hmm. So everything I've done since then was to try and get as much family law experience as possible. And I just kept applying. Hey, I kept bugging them with my applications and they kept ignoring me because I didn't have enough experience. But once I reached that, I think it's a five year litigation and family law experience. Um, then they consider you. So you don't necessarily have to have done any um, uh, extra qualifications. But like I say, I did do the, the family and divorce mediation course. Um, and it is within consideration now. I'm thinking of an LLM maybe in family or child law, but I'll see how that goes. Um, but the big thing is experience. Wonderful. All right. Yeah. Um, just looking at uh, the time, I'd like us to also discuss a little bit about Kundi's Kitchen, how your, you know, um, passion baby came, came into, into mm. and um, I love how you say you, you know, have always been part of a very close knit family. Did that, mm. you know, fuel your passion for food? Were they, were they big Sunday meals with your family? Can you tell us a little bit mm. about Kundi's Kitchen? Yeah, it's so interesting when you say with a big um, Sunday family meal. So my mom is not a kitchen woman at all. Like, <laughs> as I said, in my family, like everyone does everything. So actually it was my dad who'd like make us breakfast and stuff. My mom can cook, but she doesn't enjoy it. Yeah. So I didn't grow up. Like I always say to people, like I didn't grow up, you know, like my mom taught me how to make this and that. It's like, like, and, and, you know, as much as I know how to make the fancy things, I don't know how to make dombolo. I don't know how to make maquinha because yeah. my mom never made those things, you yeah. know, and those yeah. are the kind of things you can't really learn off the internet. You learn from home. Yeah. Um, so, so I, I was interested in cooking from a very early age. My mom reminded me that I used to like bake from the age of like eight and I'd make very, you know, delicious chocolate cakes and all of that. But it was always just something that I did, you know, on the side that I enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And then came in before even Instagram, when we were still on, again, my age, uh, Blackberry. <clears throat> and remember, there were like the Blackberry profile or something. I don't know. Yeah. Was, uh, like you could. Profile. Yes. <laughs> 
Yes, yeah. So I would cook and make something pretty and post it there and then came along Instagram and then it was just a natural progression. Mm -hmm. And people, you know, caught onto them. They said, oh, please share the recipe and whatever. And then the need for a blog grew. And -hmm. eventually, again, imposter syndrome. I'm just like, I I always felt like I'm not a chef. I'm not, I'm just Mm -hmm. doing this in my spare time. What am I going to teach the next person? And Mm -hmm. they were like, teach us that one that you posted yesterday, you know? So I was like, okay, let me try out this blog thing. And I'd post the recipes that got, you know, a really, really good response. And then I got brands that were partnering with me, et cetera. And then there was a time after I had my, my daughter and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took that time then to, because I'm a firm believer in, I, I never want to have a what if, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in the different things in the law that I've done, as you can see, I, I want to explore everything so that at the end of the day, um, where I should be. Mm-hmm. So with the, the food business growing, I just thought, let me focus on that for now and see where it goes. And um, yeah, I, I got a request for catering and then that became another one. And then, you know, next wow. thing I knew, I was catering to like Standard Bank and, um, you know, some, you know, big brands yeah. and celebrities and all of that. Um, so it, it was a very you know, I grew a lot, um, in that, cause then I was now a business owner, you know, and it's not something I ever saw myself doing, but mm-hmm. I learned a lot within that space and just the great reception, you know, that I got, um, even from fellow foodies who had been in the game for much longer that op- I remember chef Benny, he was like mm-hmm. one of my biggest cheerleaders and I was like, you know, who am I, you know? So, um, but I think, um, I realized towards the end that this is something that I enjoy. As a mm. um, it's not necessarily my calling as an everyday thing, mm. you know, and again, God's hand that was around the time. And I was thinking, okay, is this something that I want to do forever going forward? Like as my main thing, that's when, um, you know, uh, the, the, the office of the family advocate advertised for the position that I'm currently in. And uh, when I got it, then I just knew that, you know, the timing was perfect. And yeah. Yeah. Oh, what an incredible <laughs> journey. Oh, it's been a journey. <laughs> yeah. You know, Santa, cause I've been listening to your podcast as well. And I, you know, I listened to some of the ladies that, you know, they knew from day one, you know, they, they did their articles and they wanted to work in a bank and they've been there yeah. ever since. And I'm like, why could I never have been that child that just knew from day one, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we all have different journeys. And but I God, think, yeah, yeah. God has always mm, you where you're at and um, mm. you know you are somebody who really loves and embraces change and I think everything that mm. you can experience in really speaks to you know the young girl who was excited to move to a different school or excited yeah. to, you know move to a different area so it's good that you took on the the, the, the food blogging thing at that time it was time for you to change mm. scenery and you know mm. just appreciate that journey as well so definitely mm. your story has gone to show that nothing is actually for nothing everything yeah a good pocket um, dedicated to it and you're supposed to be in that zone whatever it is I mean you even spoke about how for some time you sat without a job and you were preparing to get admitted so you know the, yeah. the purpose in that sitting as well 
Yeah, and, and honestly, to just, um, and this is for the younger listenership, trust the process, you know, um, we, we, we get very tempted and I'm talking about myself too, to look over the fence and look at our friends or our colleagues and, you know, she's, she's so far now, she's done, you know, why am I? And, and that's why the, the, the last quote in my bio where I said, it's about the direction and not the speed. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't know why you are going through it the way that you're going through it, but it's leading you to the place that you are, are required to be. God mm-hmm. is using, um, you know, your circumstances and what you've been through, not only to character build, but you have more to offer when you are given the podium where you finally need to be. You yeah. know what I mean? So, yeah. And I think also just going back to something you, you spoke about with COVID and people like, am I really where I need to be and stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, you had an interview with Mbumi and mm-hmm. something that she said really stuck with me where she said, it's forced us to sit in the reality of our lives. And it did the same to me. Yeah. Um, where you just, you just forced to sit and is this me? Am I being true to me? And even if it is, am I doing, am I, am I fulfilling my full potential? Have I become stagnant? Ask yourselves those, you know, those questions, sit in the discomfort of it, pray about it. And, and things, things open up, you know, Mm -hmm. um, be intentional, even though you may feel like you're all over the place, but you have a goal in mind and do what is necessary to get there. Sure. Thank you. Thank you, Kundi, for sharing that story so beautifully. Sharing your story, getting us into your life, um, taking us through all the colorful experiences that you've been uh, through, and just you know, dedicating um, once again your time to 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 us, and 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 just letting us in on your story. I can't thank you enough. But in the spirit of women, absolute pleasure. In in the spirit of Women's Month, what would you like to say to all the phenomenal women out there who are listening to um to to this interview sure there's so much to say yeah um you know what i i i came across um a definition or a quote about feminism the other day that mm-hmm. said feminism, something along the lines I'm paraphrasing, feminism is the preposterous idea that females are human beings. Sure. And for me, that is what it, it really encapsulates it for me. And like I say about, you know, my upbringing, I, I just get shocked when we must be treated differently or work harder for respect because I was born with different body parts to someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think to the young woman, I, as hard as it is, um, see yourself in the lens that God sees you. See yourself in the lens mm-hmm. of your talents and what you have to offer. Mm-hmm. Work hard. Um, you know, and like I said, you may, you'll be in environments where it's not necessarily overt, but you can see that, you know, people are like, oh, she's here because of, BE ratings or whatever the case is. Mm. The script, prepare. You know, I, I mean, I cannot overstate the the benefit of being prepared. Mm. Um, work hard, go the extra mile, and in that way, you know, we will slowly change um, gender stereotypes and ideas and whatever. Don't try to be a man; you never will be. Yeah. Um, but. I mean, yeah, it, 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 it blows my mind that we're still talking about this in 2020. Mm. 
but you know we can all do the little that we can within our spaces and like what you're doing um pick someone up as you go up as well yeah you know bring them into your space yeah um share your story so yeah love it Love it. Love it. Thank you so much, Kundi. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I hope you have a blessed day further. Thank you so much, Develo. Same to you and for having me. All right. Bye. Bye.